Welcome to the Calvary Young Adults Podcast. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. Here's today's sermon. I want to start tonight by reminding you of a very simple but very important truth. If you're sitting in this room right now, you are a human being. Congratulations. Uh, What that means biblically is that you've been created in the image of God. And there's a Latin term for this, and it's called the Imago Dei. Somebody say Imago Dei. And it's this idea, come on through ladies, it's this idea that out of anything else in all creation that you have been created to reflect God. You've been, re- you've been created to reflect his goodness, his creativity, his truth, his beauty, his character. We as human beings have been entrusted by God to steward his creation. You see, we are different. We are human beings. We're different from the rest of creation. How are we different though? The one thing that actually separates you from a fish or a dog or an ape is your ability to create and ascribe meaning to the world around you. We can make meaning as human beings. We are meaning makers. This is why as humans, we're able to create complex language and use it. We can create technology, art. We can even have abstract thoughts. That's what separates us in all creation. That's why we are set apart as human beings. You are a meaning maker if you're sitting in here. And what that means as meaning makers, as you live your day-to-day life, what we're constantly doing both consciously and subconsciously is trying to make meaning out of our existence. Follow me here. What does that look like, you trying to find meaning out of your existence? It looks like these kind of questions. Why am I here? What is my purpose? And who are my people? Whether you know it or not, your mind is constantly looping on these three questions. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Who are my people? That is ingrained into who you are as God's creation. And what we're really getting at with these questions is there's a longing in the depths of our soul that wants to be fulfilled, and we believe that those things will fulfill it. We are longing for fulfillment. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's how you've been wired and created. And at the exact same time, there's never been a a, a human species that's walked this earth that's been more advertised to than us in this room. I want you to think about that. Uh, Have you ever done this? I I talked about, I was talking about sunglasses the other day with a buddy. And then like now I'm just getting ads for every sunglass that's ever been created in the history of the world for the last two weeks. And I don't want them, but I talked about them. So now they're targeting me, right? We are constantly being targeted with advertisements. And I want you to hear this. Any good advertisement is trying to answer those three questions you're always asking. Does that make sense? They're trying to answer that question of giving you an identity, giving you a purpose, giving you a community. Who am I? What am I doing here? Who do I belong to? All these advertisers, as we're asking those questions, are trying to answer that question for us by saying, buy this and you'll figure it out. And at the same time, we have more information coming at us than any other human beings that have ever walked the face of this earth. You don't have to go to a news outlet to figure out what's going on anymore. It just comes to you in your feed, right? You know the news of the world all the time because it's coming at you. Our brains weren't actually created to be able to wrap our minds around every single thing that's happening in the world all at once, but that's what we have access to. So as you are a human being that's trying to make meaning out of your existence— you have this news constantly inundating you, telling you what you should care about, 
who you belong to, who's in, who's out, and we're overwhelmed. And where this leaves us as a people is over inundated trying to fill this deep longing of our soul while we're trying to buy products to fill our soul, while we're being told what to care about and that that's gonna give us our life's purpose and our life's meaning. And even if we attained every single thing that this society and this culture said is worth attaining, we're still found longing, we're still found wanting. I've had very significant spiritual conversations and I can tell you their names afterwards. I don't want to distract you with it, but I've had very significant spiritual conversations with NFL Hall of Famers, Oscar, like Academy Award winners, and an artist, a musical artist who sold millions of records. And the, and the common denominator between those three people is they have every single thing that you could possibly want. And what do they want? Just a little bit more. They're still longing for something more that all the accolades and the most glamorized sectors of society that they've attained does not fill this longing in their soul. And so the only conclusion we can come to with this is this whole setup that we're all a part of, this isn't working. This isn't working. And when things aren't working, it's good to go to Jesus. We're starting our sermon series tonight uh, on Jesus's most famous sermon. So over the next eight weeks, we're gonna be getting into the, it's only the introduction to his most famous sermon. And he speaks to questions of identity, belonging and purpose of who am I? Why am I here? And who, who do I belong to? This is the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount in this series is called Blessed Are. If you have your Bible, you can pull it out. If you have your phone, you can pull it out to get to your Bible or the, the scripture will be on the screen. We're only gonna talk about one of these verses tonight, but I want you to hear this whole passage um, as we get into it so you can just understand what, what we're gonna be getting into over the next eight weeks. It says this, Matthew 5, 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he ends with this. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. I want to pray for us before we really get into this. God, I thank you that you are present right now. I thank you that we don't have to ask for your presence to come. Your presence is already here. So would you make us more aware of what you're doing in this place? God, I thank you that you so deeply desire to meet us here and move and move in power in our lives. There are places and lives here tonight that you wanna speak to, God. This isn't just a church service. We're not just a group of people coming together. These are your children and you are our God and you wanna move and you wanna move in power. And so God, I ask for the gift of us being present here tonight. Any thoughts about what we're doing afterwards, any thoughts about what we came in with, God, may they all melt away as we dig into your word. And God, I just thank you that you move through your word and your spirit and do things that you can only do. So would you do that right now, God?
God, would you wake up things that are sleeping in our lives? Would you heal things that are broken in our lives? And would you resurrect things that are dead and dying in our lives? God, I thank you that you meet us exactly as we are and not as we should be, God, because it's your grace that invites us into the relationship and changes us. Would you move and would you move in power in this place? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're getting into tonight. Uh, This whole thing, this whole sermon, the beginning of this sermon is called the Beatitudes. I was walking through the office this week talking to somebody about this sermon, and they said, what's a Beatitude? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what a beatitude is. I just know that this is called the beatitude. So I did what you do and I looked it up. And um, the word beatitude originates from the Latin word beatitudo. Everybody say beatitudo. That just sounded like Spanglish to me. And I had to like look it up again. I'm like, there's no way that's the Latin word. That just sounds like somebody trying to speak Spanglish, but it's actually the Latin word. Um, It translates as bliss or happiness in English. And it's often associated with like a supreme happiness or a a blessedness. And it's really always associated with, um, with philosophy or theology. It's this thing that we were talking about at the beginning that we're pursuing fulfillment in life. The Beatitudes speak to that. Jesus starts the beatitude with this word blessed or blessed, and we need to unpack this word. Are you cool to go like on a minute and a half to two minute deep dive into a Greek and a Hebrew word? Can we do that together? I promise we're just going to go into it. It's going to help us understand this so much. If you want a really, really good resource, uh, the Bible Project is going through the beatitudes right now. They just started. It's brilliant. They're brilliant minds who are brilliant communicators, so it'll make the Bible come alive to you, so check that out. Um, A lot of this next part is from them. Um, But uh, this word blessed or blessed that Jesus uses in the Greek is makarios. Everybody say makarios. And so Jesus starts the sermon with blessed. And when he's saying blessed, he's not just saying you're blessed. He's saying um, in the Greek, it would be, oh, how fortunate or oh, how happy or oh, how flourishing. Oh, how blessed are the poor in spirit. And that gives us like one layer of understanding, but he would have actually been speaking in Hebrew and the Hebrew here that they talk about is fascinating to me. And it's this word, ashray. Everybody say ashray. That sounds like a line of clothing that's like in a premiere at Fashion Week to me in Paris, ashray. But it's not, it's a Hebrew word. And it appears 45 times in the Hebrew Bible. And it describes somebody who is prosperous, who is fruitful and faithful. It describes the sense of protection in that person's life, that they, are sa- that they have safety and stability. This is a really important thing to understand about this word. Um, this word doesn't just mean blessed. It's more of an adjective describing the state of somebody's life and saying like, oh, that's ashray, they're blessed. Like they came to YA with Chick-fil-A, like they're ashray, that's blessed, they're blessed. You know what I mean? Like they had a ring, they, they remembered their raincoat. I didn't, like they're ostrich, they're like protected, they're blessed. It's more of an adjective. And this is the thing, Jesus, Jesus wasn't the only rabbi or only teacher using this word or using this framework of the Beatitudes. There was other teachers in his day who would use that same word and say ashray. And then they would use that word. It was like this persuasive word to say, after they said that, it would be like ashray. And they would introduce what the good life looked like. It would be like, you are, you, you are ashray if this. You are ashray if that. You are blessed if this is your state of life. You are blessed if this is what's happening in your life, if you find yourself in this place. 
And so there was a lot of different teachers um, and and they weren't talking about the same type of thing that Jesus was. Just This is a famous rabbi from that day. Just listen to a couple of the things that he's saying. He's saying, Ashrei is the one who sees the downfall of his enemies. Ashrei is the man who lives with a reasonable wife. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Ashrei is the one who never has to serve their inferior. Ashrei is the one who speaks and people listen attentively. Blessed, he's saying you're blessed if you're those things. You see how that's so different from what we just read with Jesus. So Jesus comes in, he uses this exact same framework. Ashrei or blessed. And then he starts naming all of these things that if we were truly honest in this space are not the things that come up first thing in the morning of, you know what? I would love to be poor in spirit today. You know what? I just can't wait to mourn. It's Thursday. It sounds like a good day for mourning. Like, oh, I, I can't wait to be falsely persecuted or, or falsely accused and persecuted. Like, that sounds like the good life to me. But Jesus is standing here and saying, this is the good life. And he's inviting you into this good life that he's talking about. And we're gonna get into what poor in spirit means. But before we get into poor in spirit, can I just say something about us as Christians? And maybe it's just me. I'm not gonna put something on you. I'm just gonna say it's me, Okay. Um, when we talk about the idea of blessed or blessings, I think we have a complicated relation. Sorry, I think I have a complicated relationship when it comes to blessings. I think as Christians, I'm just gonna talk about all this because I'm just gonna say what I mean. I think we as Christians get thrown off the scent of what Jesus is actually calling a good life and what Jesus is actually calling blessings because I believe that we want the blessings we want. We want Jesus to deliver those blessings when we want it and how we want it. And we struggle when he doesn't. And what we tend to do is we take good things and we make them God things. And this is a sneaky thing about us as Christians. God will give us good gifts. He'll give us blessings. And we end up taking good things and making them God things. And when good things become God things, become idols in our lives. When something holds more weight or more affection in your heart than God does, that's exactly what they become. They become idols. And this is, this is kind of what it looks like. Um, Kobe, you want to come up here? Come on up. Come on, Kobe. Give it up for Kobe, everybody. Okay, so uh, Kobe is God. So take a seat. Take a seat right here. Kobe is God. I think when it comes to the idea of blessings and God's blessings in our life, I think this is what our relationship with God and our relationship with our prayers for the blessings that we're hoping for looks like. Um, I think it looks something like this. Um, I know nobody in here is looking for like a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife, right? It's not really on the radar for most of us, right? Um, <clears throat> no, so, so you'll be sitting here and say, God, um, you know, I've been following you closely and uh, I, I think I'm really ready for a woman in my life. Um, I, I'm really, I, I want a wife. Um, and so I'm praying for a wife, God. Um, and if you can make her fine, that would be amazing. Um, <laughs> If you could make her like the same things I do, like same music, same movies, that would be amazing. Um, if we shared like interest in travel, I'd be so into that. And, um, and um, you know, I'm gonna actually get on my knees, God, because I love you and respect you and honor you and adore you. And I'm just praying for this woman to come into my life. And then I meet this woman named Sheila and Sheila's fine. <laughs> 
and Sheila's like got a great personality. It seems like she kind of loves God. And I'm like, God, thank you so much for bringing Sheila into my life. So thankful that you brought Sheila into my life, God. Look at us. We have this relationship now. Look at you, God. You gave me Sheila. We're kissing now. It feels so good to kiss her. And I knew you're cool with that, right? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, and it, you know what? We're starting to hook up a little bit. But I know you're, no, you're good with that, right? We love each other. We just want to express ourselves like physically with each other. It's the way we express our love to each other. And, you know, we keep going and, you know, um, we're, we're actually having sex now. And, um, and uh, but we're going to get married, so it's cool. So, and I know you're good with that. And um, you're just such a good God. I love you so much. And then it's like, oh, well, she got, uh, she got, Sheila's getting a little clingy. Um, Sheila uh, wants to push this timeline up and I'm not ready for it. And oh my God, Sheila's a little bit crazy. God, get back on the throne of my life and God, fix our relationship. Would you just fix our relationship, God? Does that feel familiar to anybody else? Or it's like, take, take romantic relationship um, out of it. Say it's like just a job, right? You're like, God, I, I need this job. It's kind of out of my league. I know like my resume is not quite there, but if you could just give me this job, I would just, I would, I would work this job for your glory. You would get all the glory, all the honor. Oh my gosh, I got the job. <laughs> you gave me the job. Thank you so much, God. You gave me my dream job. And I'm working so hard. My boss is amazing. I'm killing it. I just got a promotion. I got more, I got more money. I got more money. Okay, God. <laughs> I got more money. I'm going to get the new car, get the new shoes, those J's I've been wanting, the Travis Scott's. Woo. Yeah. Wish I had them on. Um, and then we just start, it's this relationship with God back and forth that like when we re like really look at our hearts and look at our lives, it's like we're kind of more obsessed with the blessing than the blesser, Right? Like as soon as we get the thing that we want, it's so natural for us to kick God off of that throne and get on the own throne of our lives. And I think Jesus is saying when he's talking about the blessed life, here, Kobe, you don't have to sit here and watch me preach. Give it up for Kobe, everybody. When Jesus is talking about this blessed life, um, he's calling us to a place where he will always be on the throne. And that's the most important thing. I think so much of the time we think of blessings as these good things that he's given us, but he's saying the biggest blessing that you could possibly have is me on the throne of your life and you submitted to my will. And nothing ever having more weight in your heart or more affection from your mind or your heart than I do. And that is the blessed life. That's what he's calling blessed. And I guess the question I have is, have you put the blessings over your blesser tonight? What is on the throne of your heart tonight as you come here? Is it the blessings that God's giving you or is it the blesser who has given them to you? So that's the first thing. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who have me on the throne of their heart and then, but then he really says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does this even mean, poor in spirit? Has anybody wondered what this ever means? Like, what does the poor in spirit mean? Before we get into the poor in spirit, I just need to talk about the poor really quick. <laughs> but first, the poor. I think it's really important for me to acknowledge, and it, I get a little emotional about it because Jesus... Um, 
I think Jesus' heart shows through this so much. Jesus talks about the poor and the marginalized and the oppressed all the time. If you look at Luke, just run through Luke, five quick examples in Luke. Luke 4, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty into the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind and set liberty those who are oppressed. He goes on, he does the Beatitudes in Luke. Luke's version of the Beatitudes, Matt, we're reading Matthews, we're studying Matthews. Luke's version says this, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Like he took out the in spirit part. Blessed are you who are hungry now for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep for you shall laugh. In Luke 14, he says, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame. In Luke 18, when Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler, he says, one thing you still lack, sell all you have and distribute it to who? The poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. In Luke 19, when he saved Zacchaeus, this, this like low down dirty tax collector, the, 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 the picture of salvation that happened in Zacchaeus' life was what he did. And he said, behold, Lord, I give half of all of my goods to the poor. Then if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And I just want to point this out before I get to poor in spirit. If you find yourself in a place of like physical, tangible need, if you found yourself on the margin, if you found yourself on the wrong end of power in some way, shape, or form, you have a God that mentions your name all the time. You have a Jesus that can't keep your name out of his mouth. He just keeps talking to you keeps talking about you. He is obsessed with you. He is fond of you. And it's all throughout his gospels. It's all throughout the Old Testament that God, as he looks throughout the, war, looks throughout the earth, he sees the people who are on the wrong end of power. And he talks about it and he does something about it. So if you're here, I just wanna encourage you with that. And if that's been your experience, your God sees you. But Matthew says the poor in spirit. So what does that mean? Blessed are, ashray are the poor in spirit. What does that even mean? I'm gonna put it so plain and so simply. It means blessed are the powerless and the needy. Blessed are the powerless and the, and the needy. More clearly, Jesus is saying, this is the good life, to be powerless and to be needy. Like, why would Jesus say this? Why would Jesus say that it's blessed if we're powerless and we're needy? How is it a good life in any way, shape, or form if I find myself powerless and needy? Well, let's break it down. Let's go to powerless first. Blessed are the powerless. Who in here wants to be powerless and not have like self-sufficiency in their life? Yeah, none of us, right? Being powerless is such a negative thing and it's like the last thing that we want to be said about us. But I just need you to hear this tonight if you think deeply about it. We are absolutely powerless in the places that it matters most. You did not put breath in your own lungs this morning. You are not making your own heart beat right now. You didn't make the sun come up. You don't make this, the earth continue to spin on its axis. In the grand scheme of things, in the context of the entire universe, in all of time, in all of space, your life is a mist. You are so much more powerless than you think you are. And what Jesus is saying here is, blessed are those who actually acknowledge how powerless they truly are. Blessed are those who actually acknowledge they're powerless and who know who has all power in his hands. That's what the good life looks like. 
And then the next thing that he would say is, blessed are the needy. And I think this is almost a tougher, tougher sell. Isn't needy like one of the worst things you could possibly be called? Anybody else? I never want to be called needy. Being needy is such a negative thing. But you know what? Every last one of us in this room is needy. Just like I said in the intro, we're, we're constantly looking for f- fulfillment. We have a need to make meaning of our lives, a need to be satisfied, a need to be liked, a need to be loved, a need to be accepted, a need to accomplish, a need to make an impact. There is so much need coming from our lives. And I think what Jesus is saying here is if you, if you are in this room, you are needy. Blessed are those who are wise enough to acknowledge that they have need. That's, what, that's like our starting point. So I just want us to do something physical. Raise your hand in this room if you're needy tonight. Jesus is saying, blessed are you because it's what we do with our neediness that dictates whether or not we are blessed. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are needy for the right thing. Blessed are those who know they don't have the power to fulfill themselves. Blessed are those who know that their value and worth comes from Jesus. And we see this throughout scripture. You see this in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah encounters the Lord and he sees the power and the majesty of the Lord and literally says, I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. Blessed is Isaiah because he knows his need for God. Or you see Daniel in the lion's den because he won't bow down to any other ruler or any other idol. And he finds himself in a place that if God doesn't show up, he has no shot. And Jesus would say, blessed is Daniel because if God doesn't show up, he has no other option. Blessed is the one who has no other option but God. Or when Jesus are following his disciples, Jesus gave like this rough teaching and a bunch of people walked away from him. And they were just like, we're not into this. You're talking about like us eating your body and drinking your blood. And this sounds weird and we're leaving. And he looks at his disciples and says, are you gonna leave too? And they just said, where else would we go? Because you hold the words of eternal life. Jesus would say, blessed are you when you tell me we have nowhere else to go. You are our only hope. Blessed are those who are needy for the right thing. Blessed are those who put their trust in the right thing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, you know who I love? My dogs. I want to show a picture of them to you. I know what you're thinking. They're small. Yes, they are. I know you big dog people are judging me. It's okay. (laughs) They're small and I love them. And sometimes I talk in a baby voice to them. Uh, I do let them lick my face. Why? Because I love them and they love me. I was thinking about this and I was like, so this is Brew on the right and Belle on the left. They're like eight pounds and six pounds respectively. Um, I was thinking about them and I was like, man, Brew and Belle are so poor in spirit. They're so powerless and so needy. It's like they need me and they know they need me and they show me that they need me and I love it. Like when I come home from work, I walk into the house and they like bow down, jump up, run around. And then I go sit on the couch and they come and like snuggle with me. And then like if I forgot my backpack, I leave the house and they're like devastated as I walk out the door. And then I come back 15 seconds later and it's like I've been gone for 15 hours. 
they bow down and they jump up and they run around and they come and snuggle. And I'm like, gosh, I wanna be, I wanna be poor in spirit like my dogs are poor in spirit. I know that sounds insane, but like, I want to react to God like my dogs react to me. I want to have the reaction to my God and the need for my God that my dogs have for me. It's this complete dependence and complete need. Needy for the right person, needy for the right thing. Poor in spirit means you put your trust in the right thing. Where do you need to acknowledge your need for God tonight? Where have you in your life been putting trust in something more than you've been putting your trust in him? Where in your life, and, and this is like, I can resonate with this so deeply. Where in your life have you just like hedged your bets with God and not wanted to trust him too much because it's gonna hurt too bad if he doesn't show up? You have a God who will show up for you time and time and time again if you give him the chance. Where is that place in your life tonight? where you've been scared to trust him. He's saying, my child, I am so trustworthy. I am the only thing that is worthy of your trust. He's inviting you to be poor in spirit tonight. So he says, ashray or blessed are the poor in spirit, are the powerless and the needy, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're gonna finish on kingdom of heaven. It's like, what's this kingdom of heaven and why does it belong to the poor in spirit? See, if you read the gospels, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven constantly. It's like if he had like a main sermon title, it would be kingdom of heaven. And he talked about the kingdom of heaven as something that was inaugurated or something that started when he showed up on the scene. He talked about the kingdom of heaven as, as something that belonged to certain types of people. And he talked about the kingdom of heaven as something that he would invite people into. So what is the kingdom of heaven that Jesus is talking about? And I think to fully understand what Jesus is talking about, the kingdom of heaven, we have to understand so much of the time what we're told about Jesus that is very true, but it's not a full picture. The message that we're given about Jesus constantly, especially in the evangelical church, is that Jesus came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross, he went in the grave, he rose from the dead, all so that your sins are forgiven and you are invited into a relationship with him. There's not one thing that you could do that could make you right to be in relationship with Jesus. And every single thing I just said is the best news. And it is 100% true. And if you're hearing that tonight, you have a God who is obsessed with you. You have a God who will never stop coming after you. You have a God who will be reckless in his pursuit of you and his grace will be more than you could ever possibly imagine. You can never outrun it. That is the message of Jesus. And it is so beautiful. And it's not the full picture. Because Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven and when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he talks about something that, yes, is in eternity, but also something that starts right now. Somebody say right now. The king, so, so you're asking, what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is present wherever the king is found. So wherever Jesus is and whatever Jesus is doing is where the kingdom of heaven is. This is the translation. We don't have to wait to die till we experience heaven. Heaven wants to come here now. Does that make sense? 
like heaven wants to show up now, like the kingdom of God wants to show up here and now. And this is, this is like, just to give you an idea of when you experience the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven happens when you pray for somebody and they receive healing. That's kingdom of heaven. Or when you've been praying for that friend to come to Jesus, to know Jesus, and they finally do, that's the kingdom of heaven here now. It's this taste of eternity happening now. Or like when somebody gets released from addiction, that's the kingdom of heaven here and now. Or when you genuinely forgive somebody who wronged you and you actually forgive them, that is God's kingdom, his reign, his rule happening in your life right now. Or when you serve somebody that could never repay you, that's kingdom of heaven right now. Or you use your voice on the behalf of the voiceless and the oppressed, that's kingdom of heaven here and now. When you visit the sick in the hospital or the prisoner in a prison or clothe the naked or feed the hungry, that is the kingdom of heaven. Whenever you do something that's kind of like Jesus-y, that's kingdom of heaven here and now. And that's what Jesus is calling us to in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount. He's not saying, I came so that I could save your soul for heaven. Yes, that does happen. Yes, that is the message. But he's saying, I came so that heaven could come here for you and for those who need it around you now. It's not just a golden ticket to heaven. It's life change now. It's not just, I'll get, get into heaven free pass and live however I want. It's him bringing the full truth and grace and love of the gospel to bear in our lives now. So when we experience the kingdom of heaven, it's like we're getting a taste of home. It's like eternity is in our hearts and we're getting a taste of home whenever we experience the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever tasted something that just felt like home? just some sort of food or some kind of taste that just felt like home to you. Maybe it's like when you're in a foreign country and you've just like been eating something else the whole time. There's like McDonald's golden arches like over the horizon. So gnarly, but so true. Um, or maybe it's like your mom's cooking or your dad's cooking. I don't know what it is for you. Um, I have some fr new friends here at the church, uh, Josue and Veva. Some of you have met them. They've been here a little bit. They lead our um, uh, Calvary Espanol, our Spanish uh, speaking ministry on Sunday mornings. And uh, they're from Ensenada, Mexico, and, um, but they live up here. And we were talking about Mexican food uh, a couple weeks ago, which parenthetically is the best food on planet earth. And you can't talk me out of that. Um, if I could, if there was one food I could just eat all the time, it's like, it just works. Like breakfast burrito. Yes. Like tacos for lunch. Of course. Like another burrito for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Chips and salsa. Yes, please. Like you just can't, it just, it just hits every time. So um, we were talking about it, but they were talking about being up here in California. I, I, me and my brother brought Mexican food into the, into the break room and they just looked at it and they were just like, nah, <laughs> like that's not Mexican food. And they were just talking about how so much of the Mexican food up here, they just like don't even eat because they can just see it from a mile away. They're just like, that's not authentic. But there's some spots up here that are authentic, whether it's like a little store they go to or a certain restaurant that they go to. And they said there's just like nothing like tasting food that tastes like home when you're living in a foreign land. I want you to think about that again. There's nothing like tasting food that tastes like home when you're in a foreign land. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. In your life here, this is not your home. This is not your final destination. You are a citizen. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're a child of God and you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So whenever we do Jesus-y things, 
whenever we allow God to have his way in our life, whenever we respond to his grace and his love for us, whenever we make a decision to do something different than we've been doing, it's like tasting a little slice of home while we're here on earth. This little slice of heaven, this little slice of eternity. It's crazy in Ecclesiastes, it says, I'm gonna finish on this. It says that um, God has set eternity in the human heart. In Romans 2, it says that the requirements of the law are written on our hearts. I want you to think about this. You're created in the Imago Dei. And I, I want you to think about somebody who doesn't know Jesus right now. Somebody in your life that needs that taste of the kingdom, that needs that taste of home. Um, eternity is written on their hearts. They're longing for something more than what they have right now. And the law is also written on their hearts. So whether they say it or not, if they're doing something wrong, they have an idea that it's actually wrong. And even if they don't think it's wrong, there's, there, there's, a, there's a reality to it that it's not fulfilling them and they will get to a point where they're saying, this isn't working. So for the people in our lives whose God's written eternity on their hearts and they know somewhere deep inside of them that there's something more to this life than just buying, consuming, and doing whatever I want. And when then they get to that place where they know that they've done wrong long enough or that what they've been doing isn't working, they need people like you who have a taste of heaven for them, who has a taste of the kingdom of God for them. And that really is the vision for these Thursday nights. We said last week, invite somebody who needs this. I wanna see this place packed with people who have eternity written on their hearts and they're starting to say to themselves, like, what I'm doing just isn't working anymore. And they've spent enough time around you to say, like, there's something working for you. I don't know what it is. And you're not like weird, you're not weird around them or like trying to preach to them all the time. Unless you're just a preacher, then like preach to them all the time. That's great. But like all you need to do is be you with them and they're gonna start getting like little tastes of heaven just being around you. And then you're gonna get to bring them to this place that's gonna be a bigger taste of heaven. Look around you right now. Just look at the people around you. I know it's awkward, silently looking at each other. I'm just gonna make you do it. I like making you do awkward things together. You know what I see from up here? I see a Revelation 7-9 picture and that's at the end of time. If you don't know what Revelation 7-9 is, it's the most beautiful thing. It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation gathered around the throne after Jesus has come back seeing worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. When I look here, I see so many people from so many different backgrounds, so many different ethnicities, so many different countries, and we have no business all being in the same room together if it weren't for Jesus. And so you're gonna have all sorts of people who will feel comfortable here because they'll see themselves in one of you and they'll come in here and say, this just feels different and this just feels good. And then God does what God does through his preached word. God does what God does when we worship him like we do. And they're gonna get smacked inside the head by the Holy Spirit in the most loving way. <laughs> but in a way where they're gonna find themselves saying, I need this piece of heaven that I'm experiencing here. So that's the vision for us as we're going forward. Who in your life needs to taste this peace of heaven that we're experiencing here. The kingdom of heaven equals YA. And the band can start coming up because we're going to close this out. I think I went quick tonight. Did that feel long? <laughs> you clap it up. Like, way to go quick. 
Love it. Um, hmm. We're going to go through this series. And did this feel, did any of this feel hard? Like it felt hard for me to prepare this. Like how do you talk about being powerless and needy is a good thing, right? Did any of this feel hard at all? It's okay if it did. Um, Our prayer, it's like Jesus is literally flipping the script upside down on what is good and what is admirable and what we're going for. And the rest of this series is gonna be just like this. Stick with us. Um, We can't do this on our own. It takes the grace of God in our lives for us to become these things that he's talking about. Uh, I would love to pray for you so that we can get ready to worship more. God, I thank you for each person in here tonight. God, you love them so much. You're obsessed with these people. I truly believe, Jesus, that you would say, Ashrei, or blessed is this community. Because God, we raised our hands tonight and said, we are needy for you. We admit our powerlessness, God. We need your power in our lives. So God, where we need to get off the throne and get you back on the throne, would you make that happen, God? Would you do your work? Would there be surrender even now in worship? God, where we need to trust you more than we're trusting ourselves or trusting something else in our lives, God, would you reveal those places to us and would you do that work? And God, would we become more familiar with this taste of the kingdom of heaven, this taste of eternity, this taste of you moving and moving in power in our lives. As we enter into worship, I just want you to think about that. Um, Where does God need to get back on the throne in your life? Where have you removed him and been sitting on that seat as we worship together? May it be a time of laying down our right to sit on that seat and putting Jesus back on that seat in our lives. Let's stand as we worship together. Thank you for listening to this message. I hope it was a blessing to you and want to invite you to join us on Thursday nights for service at 7 p.m. To connect with us, follow us on Instagram at calvoye underscore or on our website, calvarywestlake.org.